Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you go out, seek new worlds and new civilizations, and wonder how to suss them out. Take me to your leader. Please don't eat me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I now see your problems, Bruce, at the stuff we come up with. Okay, anyways, (laughs) tonight we are doing. Interacting with new power centers and groups. First contact protocols in your games. So yeah, that's something you have to, one of the things you have to suss out when you come upon these new people is what type of government, what type of leadership, you know, is shaping this society. Because that's going to, and Earth Prime thankfully has millennia of various types of governments to draw from in our history. So they can sit there and say, okay, this is like, yeah, this this nation between, you know, 1,200 and 1,500, okay, we know how to play this out. Generally, we have a good idea on, on, and of course, you know, like John would say, oh, you'd have the guy with the laptop and he can just research it, you know, in the files that are there. Oh, yeah, it's okay. These are like this culture from this time period in this nation, and they did this, this, and this. Okay. So, yeah, thankfully, in Fringe, where the Earth Prime has, you know, as we do here on this Earth, millennia of experience on dealing with other cultures. And also, the one thing that we would like to think of United is that as they go out and see cultures that are analogs of one in there, yeah, we're not going to make the same mistake we did on our Earth. We're not going to sit there and screw up with this particular ethnicity or this particular tribe or this particular group. Because we want something good to come from this. Well, I do, I do, you know, believe in the intention, but I just wonder about, you know, the fact, you know, how many iterations is it going to take before they actually do learn something? Well, the thing is, and I and I brought this, I I, I opened it up for this discussion tonight, and I'm glad that we're actually able to touch upon it. Uh, page one seventy eight of Fringeworthy OGL. There is listed. The IDET Code of Conduct. Basically, it's like, okay, as representatives of the United Nations of this particular Earth, we are going to do and not do certain things. This is what the rules that we work and live by to the best of our ability. Because we want to go out there and promote harmony. So we are not going to... And the list of we, we will always and we will never are about the same length. So there's a lot of things that they're going to do to promote their backing agency, i.e. the United Nations of Earth Prime, and there are many things that they are not going to do. Just the first one, bring discredit upon the United Nations or our nation through improper personal conduct, failure to perform our duties, or abuse of our positions as explorers. That's pretty broad right off the bat. And so, barring people who go rogue, they UNITA has this very concrete code that they follow which you would think carries over to first contact situations. 
Then again, you have people who are going to, you know, bend the rules until they scream, you know, especially things like, yeah, they don't have to know what's going on here. So, yeah, you're going to have that, you know, the, 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 the road to hell is paved with good intentions type thing. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do this and it's because they're not going to find out that A, B, and C are happening. Yeah. Right. Okay, but uh, sometimes it happens uh, and not because you intended it, okay? So I'm not going to give the, the classic example of saying, well, we somehow convinced them not to go to war with one another, and then, you know, they get attacked by somebody that, you know, from the other side of the the world, and they're unprepared. Uh, I'm talking about ex actually the exact opposite, where we give them technology that we think is perfectly fine, and it turns out it gives them an overwhelming advantage militarily against their neighbors, and they proceed to take over all the foreseeable land that they, they possibly can run into yeah. or whatever. Okay? And they are now at peace because they eliminated all, uh, you know, uh, all uh, all their possible enemies. There's no imperialism left because there's nowhere yeah. else to go. All right? Here's the problem. If you were like Russia, who was uh, in the 1800s and earlier, very imperialistic, yes. okay, uh, the, uh, uh, the firstborn, inherits the land. The second born joins the military. Third born joins the church. Yeah. Fourth born, you know, it's kind of screwed at this point. It's kind of like a substitute for any of the other ones who don't do their yeah, job. Yeah, you're the backup. Or or due to attrition of some type, yeah, then you just got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> right, but that's yeah. not important. The important thing is that the number two spot has just been eliminated because there's no more need for a military. Yeah. Okay, because the way they used to make a name for themselves is is that they would go, uh, someone would place them out on the border somewhere, and they would uh, proceed to get a bunch of guys under their command and do a sortie over into the, the contested land of other, I mean, somebody else's land. Yeah, <laughs> and successfully take over a piece of it. Okay. Send back news that we've enlarged the kingdom. Everyone gives them. He get the, the person gets a promotion. Um, you know, everybody gets you know uh, you know prizes and, and 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 honors and things like that. Okay. Afterwards, maybe the country you know recover uh, comes back and takes the land back. Okay. And 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 but you've already been promoted. You already yeah. did your job, okay? You you're probably not even there anymore. You're probably been moved to another location. All right. Point is that that job doesn't exist now because there's no you can't do it. You, what are you gonna do sortie on your own people? I mean, you know, are you gonna create enemies from within so you have somebody to fight? That's that's a a, a uh, unexpected but very real possibility, you know, uh, for a world that's at peace. Uh, because it has a monolithic culture in it that's basically taken over yeah. everything else, and Fringe really has a lot of those. Oh, every practically every, uh, all the the major six um, uh, cultures that are part of the Alien Core, they're just you know they're one culture. They you know they they either they're too far away from their uh, their enemies for it to be an issue, or they're all there is, and they're you know they're they're all basically at peace. <laughs> Except, you know, and, and so there, it's real easy for them to join IDET because, you know, they, they're they're not really uh, imperialistic, you know. 
Uh, or if they want to do imperialism, they're not going to do it on their home planet. They're going to do it on somebody yeah. else's planet, you know, and, and with the various yeah. issues. But, yeah, that's something that can happen. Uh, you, you know, anytime that you go and uh, do something that eliminates a large uh, organizational body because of revelations or a difference in philosophy or something like that, you've got a ton of people who are, who are out of a job. And you've got to be prepared to give to provide to, to provide the support they need in order to transform themselves into a culture that provides jobs for those people. Or you you're going to have you know, or you have to be prepared to create some really uh, good bread lines, you know, very good welfare system for those people to yeah. be able to survive. Because otherwise, you. The, you know, there's going to be some revolutions going taking place, and that big culture may suddenly split into a whole bunch of smaller cultures that might start warring on each other, <laughs> and you're back. You're worse off than where you started, and you know that's that that can easily easily happen. You know, so that that's why I'm saying is that when you go and you approach another culture, you've got you know it's it's a lot of times it's a good idea not. To not try to transform them, at least if you do so, baby yeah. steps. Very yeah, baby you're steps, you're you're you know. going to give them polycarbonate knives to the Bronze Iron Age culture. You're not going to give them M16s. Yeah. Well, actually, what ter- uh, in my own experiences with this uh, in Frenchworthy, uh, I found it was not the weapons that made the difference. It was the body armor. All of a sudden. People who essentially didn't, they didn't know how to shoot a gun. They knew how to use their own weapons, bow and arrow, spears, whatever, you know, but they were up against people that did have those kinds of weaponry. But you put, you put body armor on those people and they're just running straight into the gunfire because they know it's not going to kill them. And they just mowed down everybody in front of them because literally they were like invulnerable. They weren't, of course, but they were, as a group, they were invulnerable. And they just, you know, and they eradicated an entire different group because of that. The, the, the colony involved ended up disappearing. One of those lost wow. colonies. Because uh, they didn't want them there. And now they had the means of getting rid of them because those fire sticks didn't work effectively anymore. And the and the player characters were like, well, yeah, we're not going to give you weapons, but we'll give you stuff to protect you from them, you know, because I know that they come out, they hunt you sometimes and, and, and hurt you. And also there's dangerous animals out here like bears and, and other types of things. So we'll give you body armor and, and, and that'll, that's not as good, but it, you, you'll be happier with it. You know, yeah, they were a lot happier with it. A lot of defensive advantages can easily be turned into offensive advantages. Yes. So yeah, that's so you and and then let's uh, you know then there's the religious. Well, actually, let's let's bypass the religious because it's so often pretty much the same as um, you know as, as the the philosophical. Okay. So you you got um, you know we have a we've had a lot of philosophies in our own world. Okay, that we're at one point or another adopted as a form of government to varying degrees of success. Uh, you know, the the uh, the the Grecians thought the uh, the the council of 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 uh, their leaders 
you know, and the democracy that it represented to them was perfectly fine, okay, uh, and was a superior form of government. But we know that they were a bunch of rich landowners, and the regular people, uh, it was a representative form of government uh, in the sense that they represented all the people living on their land and all the people that were associated with their land and the economic power that their land put on those surrounding areas. So when you turn around and say, well, you like democracy, how about, you know, uh, universal suffrage? And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and bad things happen because either A, they, you know, you, you get the, uh, they start voting themselves, uh, uh, bread and circuses, or B, uh, they, uh, they don't, uh, they're not educated. And therefore, yeah. they're easily manipulated by the people who do want, you know, they're not going to make properly power, informed group. decisions. Yeah. Right. Which is why in our country, that's why, you know, there's everybody receives basic education yeah. for free yeah. comes out of our taxes. Okay. Because we want people to be able to, at the very least, look it up on the internet. It may not be accurate all the time, but it's there. So you can find it in a library. You can read a newspaper. You can you can look outside of your own four square walls and maybe make a decision that that is you know that that, that considers more than just your own nuclear family when you're making decisions about you know who's your government, how's your money, how's the government's yeah. money going to be spent, you know uh, what kind of initiatives are important, you know you know what's you know are we going to uh, you know, are we going to are we going to make a state religion? <laughs> you know what, or or a um, uh, a national um, uh, language? You know, because I'm sure that the people who spoke you know in, in uh, who spoke German uh, in um, in certain parts in certain states said yes, we certainly should have a national language. Yes, and it should be German. Okay, but if that law had passed and it wasn't German, they would have been pretty miffed about it. And that's what education and newspapers and other things like that. So, you know, all the things that are in this world, you know, you go to another world, it's not like Earth or, you know, you're going to have all kinds of differences. And being able to navigate those treacherous waters, um, you know, that's that's what you, Trav, talk about as being, you know, like advanced yeah. role play. Well, I, I, I see this that yeah. in the end, with all of this stuff about dealing with other power centers and coming upon them and, you know, doping them out, in the end, it's all about information. Do are we gonna get are we going to give okay. them the the knowledge that yeah, there is this black metal device that with a pull of a trigger you can kill something from a third of a mile away if you aim properly? Or are we gonna give them just Something that they know that just does the job does the job better, such as a polycarbonate knife as opposed to bronze, iron, flint, chert, obsidian, what have you. Yeah, and mm -hmm. there is a concept, yeah. and I want to say it's called the Moss Scale, M-A-A-S, that determined, you know, they listed all the weapons throughout history. And basically they said that a firearm, something as relatively primitive as a flintlock or a revolver is a thousand times deadlier than a sword. 
And I said, it, it, I think it's MAS. You can look this up, and these two guys came up with this, and they determined that a firearm is a thousand times deadlier than just a longsword. And so when you come upon these cultures, it all comes down to whatever culture you, you deal with. You, 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 you're going to want to play your cards close to the chest because you don't want to sit there and give them information that they can either use to wipe out people on their world or turn it on you. Again, it's do you tell them about the M- concept of the M16 or you give them the polycarbonate knife? So in the end, it's, it's all about, I wouldn't call it censorship, it's just knowing what to tell them and when. Again, are you going to give them the concept of like, oh, we're going to give you quantum mechanics. No, we're going to give you the basic knowledge of chemistry or, you know, basic text. You're not going to give them something advanced that they won't understand or that they'll abuse. You're going to give them something relatively easy for them to grasp. And then they develop not only the technology, but the ethics to use it. Yeah. And but also, are, is it going to violate their yeah philosophical beliefs? Religious again, yeah. at well, no, it could just be religious because, uh, for example, in the Middle Ages, okay, there were only like a half a dozen elements. Yeah, there was fire, earth, water, air. Something was the spirit, but there was also iron and copper, and uh, um, I don't know what rock a rock would yeah. be the earth. Uh, but I mean, there was a, there was a short list of elements, okay, because they didn't they never discovered the, any further. So you, you come in and say, yeah, I, you know, this is stuff called aluminum. It's great. It's just like steel, except it's lighter and it's you know it's easier to work with and all this other stuff like that. And uh, it's you know that that might you, know, you just have them say no. Our, we have our you know, iron. Our, and it, yeah. Uh, our, our truth, our truth teller said these are the elements, <laughs> and they're you know, and and what do you mean fire is not an element? <laughs> so, so right in the holy text, fire is an element. All right, so you, but what I was going to ask was, is that so? Do you think it's? Uh, and I was going to ask Jonathan because he's not talking enough. <laughs> uh, is uh, uh, do you think it's better to take an attitude of push or pull? As far as uh, philosophies and, and and no, as far as how you interact. Oh, uh, okay. Um, in other words, a poll philosophy would be: we'll give them whatever they ask for. Assuming, of course, it wouldn't be stupid. It would not be stupid to do so. Oh, okay. okay. You know, and a push is where we say, well, we really think that you need these things, and so we're going to give them to you, whether you want them or not. Okay, because it's. You know, it's better for you. See, that's where I would say it'd be a mix. I I would do primarily pull, but you know, like whatever you guys are interested in here, we'll we'll give it to you. You know, within a certain you know sensibility. You know, let's not go crazy. But then, if yeah. if I am trying to you know push this culture a little bit to to push them in a certain direction, like I I would really like them to be a little bit more democratic, or I would really like them to to increase their you know medical uh knowledge a little bit so that they live longer and they're more productive then i might push a little bit to help them in that direction but i think primarily it'll be pull it'll be hey whatever they want that that you know they think they want from me that you know they're willing to trade with me is again how how do you find that out well that's where you're gonna have to you're gonna have to show off you're gonna have to uh 
sort of do like a, a exhibition you know, or like a, a not a world's fair because that would be kind of ridiculous but i mean it's going to be just show off what you can do um okay you, i disagree okay i think that what you do is you first you ask them to tell you about themselves and then from their stories and um and from what you can observe that would you know that would show you the things that they're interested in and of course a lot of the gotchas i think a lot of um problems is that people come in and they start they take a look around a cursory look around and they start saying well you obviously need this this and this mm. when really it's like i said earlier it's what they want they they want these 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 creature comforts and such you know so they feel more comfortable on this alien location but in fact is it's not what the people there want they they might want something totally different you know they might they you know maybe they 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 want a new form of agriculture because they've had this problem you know but until you act, until you get them to tell you their stories about their struggles and how they surmounted their struggles okay then you know it doesn't you, you're working from a a position of such ignorance that you can hardly do any good. Well, I would, you that's know. the thing. I, I mean, I would consider that as part of the recon is going in and if, as getting as much information about them as you can before you even make your, your sales pitch, so to speak, so that then you have an idea of what they might be interested in. And you can say, here are some of the things I can offer you. And okay. typically you're focusing on the ones that you probably expect them to want due to your, your, your existing recon and, and possibly undercover work you've done, you know, because like how many episodes of Star Trek Next Generation were, you know, them responding to undercover missions gone wrong for these new uh, civilizations they discover. Mm -hmm. uh, so that implies to me that the Federation has spies and countless uncontacted, you know, civilizations just to figure out what are they going oh, to want from Insur us? You know, what, what can we offer them? The whole thing mm -hmm. with the um, and I'm blanking on the 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 immortal race and the race that were getting their skin pulled. The Sona and the Baku. Thank you. And yeah, so Data was there secretly, and all of a sudden he realized, okay, something's wrong here, and that's when he freaked out, and they had to call the Enterprise in because they kind of you know Data ended up outing the whole Federation uh, blind, as it were, the holographic blind. Yeah, the, ob the observation yeah. post. Yeah. So yeah. I and that, and then there's the implication that they probably do this for uh, decades before they even consider, you know, yeah. contacting them. In the case of the Federation, but you know, depending on your campaign, it might only be a, a year or two, just depending. And again, that's assuming you even get the time to do the recon to figure out, you know, because again, you, I mean, it just makes sense. You want to know what you're dealing with, and again, you're going to want to know what you can offer them and what they might be interested in ahead of time. Well, I just realized something. That's how the Commonwealth worked. The Mel, the Melor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the that Melor. Was the whole, yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, we're you know from this Commonwealth, and you've reached a point where we can allow you in if you want. Yeah. I'm wait as you're sitting there telling the There's yeah yeah trade as, in as it you're you. saying this, I'm going. This all seems vaguely familiar. I I got it. Yeah. But yeah, um, doing that recon. Yeah, that's that's. That would be, yeah, you'd have to know, and it might take a while. And, of course, you always, if you're fridge-worthy, you know, you always can go back through the portal and they'll never find you. Just as long as you aren't leaving, you know, footprints back to the portal and then, you know, the warp and it disappears into nothing. You know, 
but yeah, uh, that would be the thing. Recon is important. It, it, and I was trying to say this earlier on that 99 times out of 100, you're not just going to bump into this culture. It'd be kind of stupid for United to go in blind and just, oh yeah, no. I'm sure in the, er well, even in the early campaign, they would have. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how all my adventures went. <laughs> but yeah, they would realize, and I would think that you would have, oh, we have this whole new exploration frontier to do. The United Nations would have sat there and said, okay, this is the most mind-blowing thing that has ever happened on this planet. We have the potential to find all this. Sayuri Tanuma told us all that, that can go on. Let's not screw it up like we did here on this world. They would they would have a they would have massive amounts of meetings with archaeologists, anthropologists, paleontologists, sociologists, psychologists, and just be like, okay, we need to get it right. I could easily see like whatever game, whether it be fringe whether yeah, it's yeah, yeah. you know, space exploration, if it's if you're right at the start, if you're the trailblazers exploring this new frontier for the first time, yeah, you're probably going to have a lot of blundering in because you don't know what you're looking for and you probably don't have the manpower to, to send the experts on every single exploration mission. But certainly by the, by, by the time you've, you've had a few mishaps and uh, oopsies, you're gonna, your organization is going to find the way to make sure that there's at least one expert on every exploration team. Yeah, by the time the middle campaign comes around, you're going to have somebody with some measure of xenoanthropology on the team. I would say easily by late early into the middle campaign, yeah, it's like we need a first contact specialist, psychologist, sociologist, archaeologist, whatever. Somebody skilled in the social sciences to realize, okay, maybe we shouldn't have done this this way. Let's try to find a different way to deal with these people so we don't scare the crap out of them or it backfires on us. But no, I, I'm sure the first three, four years of of fringe discovery, United was tripping over themselves, just putting you know open mouth and cert foot, you know hoof and mouth yeah. and foot and mouth disease. Yeah, you can walk the fringe path. Get out there. I don't care. I don't care yeah. how many fights you've had in a bar. Yeah, and this is why you know it's a Tahulka game because that didn't happen. They they came out there with you know their their you know with their earnest faces and their willingness to work with anybody and respect everybody's point of view. And they were able to forge this, you know, nascent alliance that, uh, and uh, that was Richard's point of view. He was like saying, uh, even if you disagree with somebody, it doesn't mean you have to be mean about it. Or, you know, you can always build, you know, on things, which is why they were able to bring in uh, the, uh, 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 the, the, oh, uh, the Romans. Uh, Pax Romana Universa, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, because they were fully behind the idea of slavery, and you know most people in the UN would say that's a very bad thing. And they're like, you know, well, you get rid of it on your world, and we'll think about getting rid of it on ours. And they're like, what do you mean? What slavery are you talking about? You know, and uh, and they start pointing out things. You know, so oh yeah, so, that oh yeah, forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so there's, uh, you know, anyways, the, uh, so that, that's, I'm just saying is, you know, that I, 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 and 
And, and basically, I you know I, I think that the the whole idea in, in, in the Fringeworthy book was the, the he basically put forth the philosophy that if you just you know treat each other and the people you run into with you know some degree uh, basic degree of respect that things will work out. And I think the GMs were basically tasked to make sure things happen that way. You know, now is that realistic? I I don't uh, know because yeah. this is a this is this is a role playing game, and nobody's in this situation where we're you know. But I mean, historically, you know, people came to other parts of the world, you know, the so called third world areas, with uh, usually with the idea of exploiting it. They weren't coming there to re- really better you know the people's lives there, but it. But in Fringeworthy and a lot of you know other games, that is in fact the idea behind the game. So you know your 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 philosophy of first contact is going to have you know is, is the GM needs to take that into account because if that is your philosophy, then you have to believe that it works. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep doing it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So unless you're literally playing a you know a a, a year zero campaign and. You know, I've had people tell me that they came onto the the to the platform with the uh, 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 Victorians and they got into a fi- they got into a firefight and you know that was it. Either the Victorians won or the uh, Idet won, but it was never the same, and they never joined the uh, uh, they never joined the Alien Corps, and we had a a, a very big. Competing power center, relatively close. The biggest advantage that IDAD has practically on over all these worlds is the fact that because they declared the portal to everybody worldwide, they have so many more explorers. They can morph boots on the ground. They can put out onto the French paths. So if you know, so they can literally, so they can hold those, you know, uh, those worlds. You know, and against people that, because over in, uh, you know, the Victorians, they, it was a state secret. Yeah. So yeah. they weren't, they weren't letting people know about it. So, and, uh, and, but a, a lot of, you know, most of the worlds, I think, they, once, you know, they showed up and explained who they were and some, they, they pretty much made it fairly common knowledge, uh, in, in the ones that joined the, uh, uh, the alien corps. So that's one of the reasons why IDET as the new Commonwealth is so strong. And that's also one reason why they had a really hard time with the Coptics, because the Coptics, um, they, it, it was an open secret. You know, they didn't tell everybody, but everybody who needed to know knew about it, especially the church. And uh, they were doing their very best to find as many fringeworthy as possible to put God's army out on yep. the, the pathways to bring everybody into the fold. So, you know, that's one reason why uh, the Coptics are so dangerous, you know, uh, to IDAD is because they literally have the, the manpower to to uh, stand up to IDAD if it comes down to that kind of a thing. Keep throwing bodies in the meat grinder. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's how wars are won. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that applies to the, the Fringe Ready campaign I'm working on because it's the, you know, a, an alternate earth that is you know being founded it's being explored by a tech company that they have good intentions they you know their their earth is has been infiltrated by the melor and they know it so they're kind of doing a 
Okay, get out there and get whatever you can to help us. Tech, allies, whatever, just go get it to save our home. Yeah. Definitely a, a little bit different mindset. You know, maybe a little bit of backstabbing and betrayal isn't against this team. Well, okay, so Trav, you know, you're, um, I realize that all worlds are different, you know, and, and stuff like that. But as an overall general statement, uh, you know, what do you think is the, in your mind, the preferred, uh, you know, if you could boil it down to just a couple of things, what's the preferred way of interacting with um, a, a, another power center? Something, somebody that, that could actually, you know, either could find out about the fringe pads and get onto it as as a competitor, or like say, you know, in a game where they, they don't have this limitation and they could just simply just, you know, come come back to your your piece of the pie. Um, what do you what 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 do you think are your your uh, number one steps? Uh, research, recon, find out about them. As soon as you find out that there's a new land, okay, try to see if there's indigenous culture. Gain as much intelligence on them as you can, so you can make the good decisions with them. That that's a reason why the Mellor were so great because all they could do is all they needed to do was sneak up. Touch a native. Oh, when I become that native, I automatically I have idiomatic knowledge of the culture, the language, and everything. I United doesn't have that, so they have to do the legwork, which means you're doing things like, you know, the Federation Blind and Star Trek Insurrection, where you're doing anthropological studies from far away with binoculars and you're, you know, checking out oh, modes of dress, modes of uh etiquette. You know, how do they treat each other? How do they treat women and children? How do they treat the elderly? How do they go about as far as commerce among themselves? There's so much that you have to find out about in order to, you know, interact with them at a later date. And yeah, that would be the main thing. Research, recon, intelligence, just sit back and just watch them. And as I said, with the with the fringe pass, you're going to have the, the language already. So if you're doing stuff like um, the thing that you hold, uh, parabolic microphones, you can sit there, oh, okay, we're hearing them talking, and that's how they're conversing, and they interact with each other. Oh, this person with, you know, a, a you know, they got their leg gnawed off by an animal, they treat them lesser because they're not of a full body. Okay, yeah, we have a guy with a prosthetic leg they're going to treat him bad. So this is just all things that you were going to find out through this research to make as few cultural faux pas as possible. That That's probably the number one thing is just, as I tell Josie when she discusses stuff, know your audience. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jonathan, how, what's your point of view? Uh, for, well, in general, I mean, it's going to depend on the organization, but like for IDET, it's, yeah, I think IDET is very much about just getting out there and exploring and meeting new people and making new friends. And especially once um, they have their first interaction with, say, you know, a hostile force, whether it be French pirates, the Melor, then it's a matter of, okay, we need to actually kind of consolidate and build up a defensive force to, you know, get rid of these pirates or to to eradicate the Miller on as many worlds as we can and prevent them from coming to us. But then if you've got the, you know, leaving Fringeworthy, if you've got the Federation, it's just about exploring. It's just about data gathering and then establishing future friendships and allies for 
bigger threats that you might encounter along the way. I, so it's for me personally, I think I like the the IDET kind of perce- uh, philosophy better. Just going out and making friends, as many friends as you can, exploring as much as you can, and trying to treat them fairly, trying to be honest and upfront. Get as much information as you can ahead of time, though, because there's no reason not to. Well, most of the time, because you know, if you have a, a a good relationship between nations formed on open honesty and trust, yeah, then you know it's a lot easier when things get strange to work things out. And definitely with an eye to uplift them to your current level, you know, slowly and safely, whatever you know won't cause too much turmoil. But yeah, try and bring them up to your level and try and get them to, because just by trading with them and and dealing with them, your the your the, your cultures are going to merge. You're going to take on some aspects of their culture that work with yours, and they'll slowly start to adopt some of the yours that they see work. And then you you hopefully will eventually get to a point. But it it is definitely a long term kind of thing. Okay. That makes sense because I felt like I rambled a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did, but that's okay. That's okay. All right, all right. Okay, so of course I'm going to deviate radically okay. from all that. All right, <laughs> Bruce, deviate. All right, okay, because I because be- I, I firmly believe that all organizations, especially exploring uh, organizations, have, don't have a clue as to what they really should be doing. So I, I basically concentrate on uh, on on uplifting the underdog. All right, so. I come into a world, the first thing I'm going to want to do is increase their general health, okay? Going to teach them about proper sanitation, going to teach them about, you know, food safety, you know, storage, which not only decreases disease, it also increases the longevity of their food. Follow that, secondly, by improvements in food production, agriculture, um, uh, fertilization, uh, as in fertilizer, uh, and, um, you know, uh, animal husbandry, things like that. Okay. So, and, and, um, and third thing, you know, th- this, this is a real stretch. Okay. But, uh, if they don't have any form of, um, of, uh, basic, uh, literacy, then try to get that to happen. But I know that's a, that's a big touch point for a lot of cultures. So that might not happen, but the goal here. Uh, I mean, and, and maybe give them some technology and things like that, like, you know, whetstones and, and other things you say, those those knives, whatever, you know. But the idea is to create a viable, sustainable middle class because, you know, in, in all the years I've been on this planet, okay, I every time that I've seen a revolution, it's come from the middle class. There have been people out there screaming for, you know, that this is wrong and this should happen and things should change. And, you know, the the people, uh, you know, elsewhere, you know, have, uh, you know, uh, in the universities or whatever, saying the same thing, nothing changes. Okay. But when the middle class, okay, and by them I'm referring to an economic force okay where most where a lot of the money is okay now you know, some oligarchies could be so so separate there is no middle class build a middle class and you'll see real change happen okay and it's usually going to be for the better because those people knew where they came from you know they weren't born with silver spoons in their mouths usually so they understand all those good things like hard work and all that other stuff everything beyond that 
comes out of that. Okay, um, I, you know, it's just too far in the future for, to to really evaluate. You know, um, there you know, there's too many unknowns as far as religion and philosophy and even the economic system. But you know, those those are the three number one things that I would want to push. You know, on any world that I went to as an explorer. And if I could do it through trade, great. If I could do it through uh, just general education, that's fine. If I have to, cre- you know, create a, a, a religion uh, that, you know, that has the that basically promotes these aspects amongst his worshippers, fine. That's that's the way to go. And uh, that's that's my point of view on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not too different from what I had in mind. Although I think you're willing to go a little bit more. Sneaky, if necessary. Yeah, it's definitely subversive. Yeah. Uh, it, it, from the very beginning, you're being subversive. You know, because the, the point is to get to your goal. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily to be open and above board about everything that you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it's... And yes, it does come with quite a bit of, of, of superiority. We know what's bad for you, you know. But at the same time, it also it also comes with a whole lot of... We don't know everything, so we're just going to concentrate on these things. And if we succeed in those things, at the very worst, okay, we've left them better. We should have left them better than when we came. So you have that kind of moral uh, superiority from that. That's and and, and conquerors and world changers and, and always need that. <laughs> You know, it's what, it's what lets you sleep at night. You know? <laughs> I made made some mistakes, but I left them better than I found them. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Trap, anything else? No, I, I think we pretty much ran through this subject with a fine-tooth comb, and based on our experience, we, yeah, I'm not seeing any other thing. And I, of course, you know, went down avenues I didn't think of. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question okay. since you, you didn't mention it, okay? And that is, is it is there a line that you cannot cross where it's better to be assimilated than to fight back? Is there a line? Is there a line? Is there an ethical, behavioral, whatever line that, you know, the you meeting this other power source, you know, are not willing to say, we, we you know, we're not going to... It's better for us. It's 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 better for us to be assimilated than for us to, you know, uh, uh, than for us to to fight and lose everything. What's that? What's that line that you can't expect a a new power to to uh, to cross to in order to join you in this new trade federation or or government sponsorship or whatever? Yeah. What what's going to push them over the edge? I mean, if if it if you ran into another power power center that was so overwhelmingly powerful that they could just swat you like a fly, okay, would it be better to be assimilated or would it be better to just lose everything? Well, I was thinking on both sides. It again, we're going to bring up Shakespeare: "To thine own self be true." If you are going to be compromising everything just to, it's not worth it. And again, I mean, we can bring up the Borg. You know, they just envelop everything they encounter. Anybody, you know, resistance is futile. You know, and they just eradicate that which will not take being assimilated. And yeah, I would think that phrase from Shakespeare would be the thing. 
if you, in order, oh, this culture is going to come and, you know, just envelop us. We have to give up this, 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 and this. Basic tenets about us as people and us as a culture, it's not worth it. So what's your solution? I mean, if that happens, what do you do? Just, you know, grab some people, find a world nobody knows about, and just hide in it? And hope they and hope they never darken your doorway, or it it may have to be. And if you fight back, you know it's that whole thing. Better to die free, you know. Yeah, it, if it's going to be where you just happen upon some other entity that is just looking to absorb you or wipe you out, yeah, I I I'll 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 die fighting. Okay, so just, you, yeah, so I, the the Borg's a good example. You'd rather go and activate the self destruct uh, sequence. Or no, what, what's the phrase? That becomes you know, be, be, Locutius the Borg. Yeah, right. Being, it's like, our job is to die for our country. No, my job is to make sure that the other guy dies for his country. That type of thing. Just, you know, yeah, just no. I'm, that, if I, that was if a famous I'm, general. <laughs> yeah, if I'm going out, I remember it on Stargate, Jack O'Neill telling Braytech, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, there are times where that show does have its moments. Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, if I'm going out, I'm taking you with me. I'm not going to relinquish parts of myself, parts of my culture, everything I know to get absorbed into something where I lose all that. Yeah. I would just be like, nope, nice knowing you. Okay. So how about you, Jonathan? Do you think that there's a line that you can't, that, that it's better to die than be assimilated? The easiest one I can think of just as an in general you know, don't ask this of me, you know, I'm, you might convince me to join you for anything, but if you ask me of this, we're at, you know, permanent forever war is going to be, you know, reproductive rights. If you tell me that my people can't have kids whenever they want, however many they want, then yeah, we're probably going to have to fight because that's about the only last resort weapon we probably will have ever is if you do decide to betray us or, or we do decide we don't want to be a part of you anymore is our only last remaining weapon will be sheer numbers. So if you try and tell us that we can't have as many kids as we want when we want, and you know, not to say that uh, we're going to, you know, breed like rabbits, but I mean, if you try and restrict it and say, you know, you can only have one or two children, then no, that's it. We're, we're at war because that will not work. That is just going to end up slowly turning us into an eradicated species anyway, or nation yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I, I, okay. Okay, I, I see. Yeah, Jonathan and I had the same idea. It's just he got a lot more specific. <laughs> yeah, you you really went for, I, you know, I was there along the whole back with the nerves. You hit that one particular. Yeah, because like, so, I, mean, I can almost see almost yeah. almost anything else can be negotiable in, in, in reality. I can't really think of anything else on my end that, yeah, I can't yeah, work perfect, with you on, but yeah, if you try yeah. and limit, you know, how many kids my people can have, that that to me says you don't have the good intentions anyway. Yeah, gener- generally allowing us to live as, well, that's why Genghis Khan worked relatively well. Hmm. You live the way that you wanted to live. As long as you pay homage to the Khan, he wasn't going to sit there and try to change your culture. Oh, you have to worship my God, you have to do this. Just respect me and if i ask for a tithe give it to me i'm I'm not going to be too ridiculous but you get to live with the way that you've lived all along we're not going to disrupt 99 percent of your life i mean even if it's if you want to restrict 
you know, my people's breeding rights, so to speak, for our own good. You know, maybe overpopulation is becoming a problem. And you're like, hey, guys, you need to not have so many kids. You're going to have to sell me on it and not mm-hmm. force it on mm-hmm. me. You have to yeah, make you me better, want you better, to do that. Yeah, you better explain that, okay, having 15 kids because you can, you know, it's it's that Jeff Goldblum thing. Just because you, they, they could doesn't mean that they should. Yeah. You have extra kids, that's going to stretch resources and wipe mm-hmm. them out, and yeah. But yeah, if you try and force it, then that's just going to imply you have ulterior motives that I do not like. And I mean, how many it's times on. of our own history have we seen where that's been used to slowly get rid of a problem population, so to speak? Yeah, curtail it in some way, yes. Okay, is it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, there, there is there is one group that actually, you know, has... Uh, though they certainly had plenty of combat in their background, essentially did take the route of assimilation, uh, but they still maintained their cultural identity within that, and that would be the Jewish population. Uh, they, they, you know, they got conquered many, many times. They were without a homeland for a very long time, and uh, but ultimately they were able to get it back and. Um, and they and they have persisted as a culture when many of the surrounding cultures in that area and others are now all gone. They've been, you know, so that possibility does exist that you can allow yourself to be assimilated but still maintain your cultural identity. See, when I I hear the word assimilation, it's like no, nothing of you is left. That's what I'm. Yeah, that oh. I. Well, there's there's complete assimilation, yeah, and then there's yeah, you know, like I said, the Borg basically turn you into an appliance, yeah. okay? But like you know, but but really, your example of Genghis Khan was assimilation. They brought in these countries, and he, as you said, he didn't care, you know, whether what their personal beliefs were and gods, whatever, as long as they kept setting the tribute. Yeah. So you know, it just depends on the situation. But I'm just saying is that. Speaking historically, there are a number of groups that have been able to continue, you know, either by, you know, teaching their their uh, their text privately or using um, symbolism to hide, you know, their their own uh, cultural stuff uh, and and have endured. So I'm just saying it, it doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't always have to be a fight to a death. Okay. Now, if they're going to basically, if they've declared your very genome is a anathema to the universe, well, then you know, there's, there's no chance of assimilation. Yeah. You're just, you're, you're either you going are to going fight, to fight or, for survival. Fight yes. or die. Yeah, yeah. Do you die now or later? Yeah. Okay. All right. That was that was the last okay. point I wanted All to right. bring up. Sisto. Yeah. Because we we talked about you know uh, we we talked about interacting with these other power centers as e- as either superior equal but never as at a detriment so that was that didn't really come up in okay. the discussion no. so that's all right so if you got nothing else then take us out my friend all right thank you very much sir yes in role playing games you are going to have the opportunity to make long standing relationships with other entities of a corporate, biological, governmental, religious, cultural nature. The ability to do so properly in the game, thankfully we have our own Earth history to draw upon for both the successes 
and quite sadly, the many failures we've had. As a species, we come upon another culture, and I mean, just read history books, folks. JFGI, just frelling Google it, and you'll see the numbers of cultures that didn't survive this process because of some reason it wasn't done properly. In your game, you have the benefit of that history of humanity to do it properly, where you where your group, under the aegis of some agency, group, government, culture, what have you, company, can do it where you will have long-reaching, positive results. And it can be a fantastic role-playing game experience for all involved. In the game, you would have to do research in order to do it properly, and as a game master and players, it would help to do research to figure out, okay, we're going to do this campaign arc. How are we going to go about doing it? And so, to avoid unnecessary issues, both in and out of game, players and characters, it would be good to research Earth's history to do so. And in the result, your campaign will be better for it because you will have made relationships that will have repercussions down the road. If you have questions or concerns, or you are doing this as your campaign plot, please contact us on our various Facebook groups, Fans of Gaming on the Frontier Podcast, Fringeworthy RPG Fans. This could even be done with Bureau 13 agents everywhere, because there are chances that a bureau team could come upon like a hidden culture of, you know, humanoids hidden in a pocket dimension. So the bureau has to act as, okay, we represent this entity. And I'm sure in the bureau history, there have been first contact episodes that have been very good and very bad. Leave your comments, questions, thoughts in those forums, iTunes. The Podbean page that you get this from, trytechsystems.podbean.com. And again, feedback, feedback, feedback. We love that. It gives us more to work with. And we will be more than happy to answer your questions on this. There, It, pushes, it pushed me and Pixie to our limits as far as when she did the Pokemon. People came back with all sorts of feedback. So yes, give us feedback on this and we will be more than happy to oblige you in what you would like to know, or ideas, you know, as sounding boards even. We can do that for you. There will be more for you next week, but until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.